0: So good afternoon, Professor Weizmann. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you here at the European University Institute today. And, uh, um, and really, I read with pleasure also your book with um, Gennot Wagner. And uh, uh, so thank you very much for, for giving us the opportunity to do this interview. So first of all, I would like to to ask you, science tells us today that the longer we wait to cope and to act seriously in reducing carbon, uh, concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the higher the probability of an extreme event will occur. So my question here is, do we really need a few more catastrophic events for taking serious action against climate change?
1: Well, uh, I think uh, uh, that, it really has to be felt on a grassroots level, this, uh, uh, that something catastrophic is associated, it's possibly associated with climate change. It should be felt on a, the level of uh, the common population that uh, something dangerous is happening. So I'm afraid to really get uh, countries to agree to give up some of their sovereignty, uh, there needs to be pressure from the ground up And unfortunately, I fear that that pressure from the ground up may, will only really come when there is something disastrous or catastrophic that is linked to climate change. Uh, Otherwise, uh, uh, the governments are not under a real pressure to put put into place an international
0: structure. Okay, thank you. And a bit linked to this, in Climate Shock, your recent book, you defined climate change as uniquely global, uniquely long-term, irreversible, and uncertainly. And you, interestingly, call this the Big Four. So can this pressure you mentioned tackle a change for which we see these Big Four as an opportunity rather than a threat?
1: Well, dealing with a threat is an opportunity, (laughs) I think. Uh, uh, It's just a question of whether you're looking at it from one side or from another. Um, It's it's an opportunity to uh, get ourselves seriously off of uh, such a carbon-dependent economy, but the opportunity is driven by the threat that something really bad might happen uh, if we keep on the present course.
0: Okay, and uh, hopefully this opportunity will be taken at the recent uh, meeting that our leaders will have in Paris, so leaders from all around the world will convey in Paris at the UN UN Framework Convention um, on Climate Change, also known as the COP21. And the declared objective of the COP21 is to achieve a new international agreement on climate, applicable to all countries, with the aim of keeping global warming below this 2-degree Celsius target. So, what could be, in your opinion, a practical solution on what to do next to climate change?
1: Well, um, this opportunity uh, of this 21st session is presenting uh, uh, the possibility, at least, of talking about climate change, of talking about carbon dioxide concentrations, of naming some hypothetical targets Um, what it lacks is uh, an overall framework that different nations are subjecting themselves to so that it would assign uh, so this international framework could assign targets to various countries could enforce that uh, these targets are being fulfilled and so forth it's still a voluntary it's still voluntary It's uh, um, uh, Some countries, especially the EU maybe, are going beyond what is individually in their small best interest, but they're not going very far beyond what's in their interest uh, because there is no overall framework uh, covering this uh, kind of uh, uh, what we call an externality or a public goods in economics.
0: Thank you very interesting we see like carbon price as one of the very powerful tools to tackle climate change but how this can be acceptable to our leaders and population and also what's the scale of a sustainable and unacceptable carbon price?
1: Well, um, an optimistic view might be that we're moving towards something like that um, the, uh, there are countries that have tried directly taxing carbon uh, or sections of countries. Uh, British Columbia, uh, a province of Canada, has put in place a tax on carbon dioxide emissions. This universe is applied to everything uh, within their domain there. And at first there was some resistance to doing this. Um, especially resistance from business but once this got implemented this carbon tax they came to depend upon it as a source of revenue and not so long ago there were attempts to repeal the tax on carbon but that was not popular because then you would have to raise taxes on something else so somehow it has to be conveyed to the population that if if you are internally taxing carbon Uh, it's taxing emissions of carbon dioxide, you're gaining revenues, which could directly be handed out to uh, people, that was done in the case of British Columbia, or you can lower other taxes. Uh, This is a, a point that I think is not fully understood by the public. They think of a tax as something that's taken away from them and dumped in the Atlantic Ocean or something like that. Uh, In reality, the tax, we we need to shift the tax system so that these carbon dioxide producing activities are uh, taxed, but there is tax relief on other activities, uh, on uh, uh, labor earnings or capital earnings or something like that.
0: Thank you. And uh, drawing, drawing a bit on this example from Canada, you say, if we look at the U.S., Last uh, April, the White House and President Obama unveiled a, ma- a major climate change uh, plan, uh, which they called the Clean Power Plan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just a couple of days ago, there was this meeting with, with uh, some, some major uh, U.S. company to discuss the follow-up of uh, this plan. So what is your view on this very ambitious plan by the White House?
1: I think it's good. It's a step in the right direction. It's recognizing that there is a genuine... Uh, problem or threat of climate change and we need some stronger action it's still something that is incomplete the u.s is volunteering to put standards in place for certain activities but there's no overall plan to tax carbon at the same rate among different countries and most economists, myself included, consider this a very clumsy tool, this uh, idea that you would have standards of carbon dioxide emitted per unit of energy or per uh, per capita. Um, it, it's not comprehensive, it's not comprehensive, comprehensively covering every source of, of carbon dioxide. So, it's a step in the right direction, it shows seriousness of purpose, um, it's better than not having such a, uh, such a step, but it's, within the international realm, it's still a voluntary action by the U.S. and it's, it's incomplete. It's not, uh, and, and government has a big hand in all these um, uh, restrictions. If you put a tax on, there's a lighter hand of government. Then each person or corporation chooses its own carbon dioxide emission level based on the fact that they will be taxed they'll have to pay something for it this is not doing that this is telling each industry or, or, or several or uh, to be more accurate uh it's telling uh electricity producers how to produce electricity um it, 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 it we think, I think, it's better to have something like an overall price or tax on carbon and let them figure out what is the cheapest way to attain these uh, targets.
0: Thank you. And uh, Speaking about us, our daily lives, so I'm just one citizen and we are, but we're about 7 billion people in in this world and when we deal with, when we talk about tackling climate change, then the paradigm every little else make kind of fell apart. So how do you deal with this paradox in your daily life and your carbon footprint?
1: Well, I'm an economist, I'm trained as economist. We have other examples of these kinds of phenomena. They're called public goods phenomena. Uh, the idea is that, you, uh, to, uh, that the society, the government, within a country, the government takes care of these externalities are public goods it determines the budget level of defense the, the budget level of firefighting uh, the budget level of education and schools so we're used to that being the role of government within a country uh, but we're not used to we're still used to having each country be sovereign we don't have in mind yet a, a body that would be devoted to this problem and would say vote on the common price level um, so uh, I, I, I think uh, we need to be aware that we we must go eventually towards an overall solution uh, I try my best to explain this in lectures and in things that I write Um, I think we're making some progress on that uh, but it's a long haul and as I said before in the answer to an earlier question I'm afraid I think that it really does need a kind of a shock that uh to really push uh, uh push down this idea that each country is sovereign in this area they have to have something like a common assembly where they do something like vote on what is the common price level or what are the uh what are the overall output levels of uh, of carbon dioxide we're still a long way from that because we're not used to countries the sovereignty of a country being challenged in many spheres uh, so I, I keep hoping I keep pushing this idea uh, British, that British Columbia example is really well worthwhile because when they did when they first put in a tax on carbon uh, they did it wisely they, 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 they uh, rebated uh, the, the revenues that they collected on carbon taxes to each citizen so each citizen got a check in the mail and they got it before uh, even the tax was uh, was put on and as i said there was resistance to this but once the population got used to the idea that uh, uh, carbon dioxide producing activities have to be paid for it was difficult to get off of this system it was difficult to revoke it so i hope that there's enough uh, individual movement within countries toward this kind of a regime and that eventually the countries will say that look, this is significant enough and the citizens will say this is a significant threat to our welfare that they will uh, push to have some international uh, overall accord.
0: So Professor Weitzman, thank you very much for uh, giving us the the pleasure and honor to to listen your view on, on this important aspect. And uh, it was very, as I say, it was very interesting reading your book recently, but even more now to to have this great opportunity, so thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.